You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It's easy to love furry, fluffy animals like dogs, cats, and rabbits. There are pets and family members, and they're responsible for some of the best videos on the internet. But so many animals are misunderstood and maligned simply for acting the way nature intended. People didn't think too much about shark attacks before the 1970s. But in 1975, a film came out that changed the way we see the water and what lies beneath it forever. Steven Spielberg's Jaws was a runaway hit and the first official summer blockbuster, but it also led to the decimation of shark populations all over the globe. Each year, more than 100 million sharks are killed, sometimes for their fins, other times out of fear that they may bite a human. Sure, great whites take a nibble from time to time, but not because we're tasty, it's because they think we're something else, but they don't know for sure until they get a taste. It doesn't matter whether they're snakes or sharks or spiders, there are just some creatures that don't get any love from us humans. I think it's because they haven't had the right kind of PR. Take the rat, for example. Tiny, furry, and very smart. According to the National Human Genome Research Institute in Maryland, we have more in common with those long-tailed rodents than we do with other meat-eating animals. And yet, rats are often depicted as garbage-eating scavengers full of disease. After all, they were believed to be the source of the Black Plague for hundreds of years until it was proven that the fleas on their backs were the real cause of the spread. But one Canadian province hated rats so much, it went to extreme lengths to get rid of them. Forever. Alberta is the sixth-largest Canadian province and is responsible for billions of dollars in agricultural exports each year, so it's important to keep its farms free of pests. That's why in 1942, the Ministry of Agricultural and Food instituted the Agricultural Pests Act of Alberta. It stated that any creature or critter posing a threat to the province's farms was officially put on a to-kill list. Rats were added in 1950. They had come from eastern Canada, scurrying their way to Alberta to feed on grains, scraps of food, and crops, and people were ready. It took a year or so to prepare, with the province going to great lengths to educate the public on how the problem was going to be addressed. They held conferences, handed out brochures, and put up posters all over the municipalities, specifically in high-risk areas like train stations and schools. From June of 1952 until July of the following year, Alberta spread more than 140,000 pounds of arsenic trioxide powder. Thousands of buildings and farms along the province's eastern border were covered in it. The local human population wasn't too happy about the treatment, as the powder didn't just affect the rodents. People, pets, 
pets and livestock were also hurt by it, despite the government telling them that only the rats would be affected. Over the 10 years that followed, the rat population skyrocketed until it finally stopped. Around 1959, infestations then plummeted. From 1960 to 1980, the number of live rat infestations fluctuated, but were never as high as they were before and during the 1950s. This was mostly due to the work done by the Agriculture and Food Ministry, but nature also played a part. You see, certain mountainous and forested areas outside of Alberta have made it difficult for rats to make it into the province. It's also illegal for anyone in Alberta to own a rat. Research laboratories are only allowed to have them with special permits. Because of all the hard work in eliminating rats over the previous 50 years, 2002 marked the first year in Alberta's history without a single rat infestation. The next five years saw only two infestations crop up, and they were dealt with swiftly. Alberta was basically rat-free ever since. Well, except for a freak accident in 2004, when someone with almost a dozen domestic Norway rats released them into a Calgary neighborhood. The locals wasted no time. Like the angry mob at the end of Frankenstein, they chased every last rodent down with brooms and shovels before they had a chance to reproduce. The person who set them free initially was never discovered, although that might be a good thing, considering that they might have met a similar treatment. Not many people know that rats are smart, resourceful, and even loyal. They're like tiny dogs, but they're maligned because of what they really are, reproductive eating machines. It's hard to blame the people of Alberta for how they reacted to the threat that rats posed to their crops. But the next time you encounter one in a pet store or even on a subway platform, watch it. See how it learns and figures out how to operate in a world so much bigger than itself. The rat doesn't know it's hated. It's simply doing what the rest of us are trying to do all the time. Get through one more day and survive the rat race. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish, 
not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Life is full of consequences. Big ones, too. Like the novel Futility, which discussed the sinking of a fictional British ocean liner called the Titan after hitting an iceberg. A book, by the way, that came out 14 years before the real Titanic met the exact same fate. But sometimes it's hard to accept something as a coincidence. When we look at how so many disparate threads line up exactly the right way for something to happen, we can't shake the notion that it wasn't an accident. That maybe the coincidence had been planned all along. That was the accusation facing British educator and crossword compiler Leonard Daw in 1944. Daw was born in 1889 and got his start as an amateur football player. That's soccer for those of us stateside. But after the 1913 season, he made two big decisions. First, he joined the British Army to fight in World War I. Second, he left football behind forever for a career in teaching. For a few years after the war, Daw taught science at a few different institutes around London, eventually settling in 1926 at Strand School, a boys' grammar school in South London. But a year earlier, he'd also taken a different job as a crossword compiler for the Daily Telegraph newspaper. He was tasked with composing new clues every day and assembling them into a complete puzzle. He juggled both jobs for nearly 20 years, teaching kids science while coming up with five-letter words for things like displeasing. But one day in early June of 1944, Daw got a rude awakening. A pair of agents from MI5, the British Security Service, arrived at his school looking for him. They took him in for questioning, along with a co-worker from the newspaper. Locked in a small room for days, Dawes was subjected to lines of questioning about his occupation. Not as a teacher, but as a puzzle maker. You see, the agency had noticed some odd things about several crosswords over the past year. In one from early May, 17 across asked for a four-letter word for one of the United States. The correct answer in that particular puzzle was Utah. A few weeks later, three down wanted a five-letter word meaning Red Indian on the Missouri. The answer that filled the box is perfectly Omaha. And the puzzle just one week after that featured an eight-letter answer, Overlord. 
Now, separately, these clues and answers didn't amount to anything. They were just words. But together, they took on a whole new meaning. Because Omaha happened to be the codename for one of the beaches that the Allies planned to storm on June 6th of 1944, otherwise known as D-Day. Utah was another. Other answers like Gold, Juno, and Sword were codenames for beaches that the Canadian and British forces were also planning to land on, and every one of them had shown up in a Daily Telegraph crossword puzzle during the year. The most important answer of all, though, Overlord, was the name of the whole Allied operation, which involved the cooperation of all three countries. And since Daw had been responsible for each of the puzzle's creation, he was officially their prime suspect. MI5 kept him for hours, asking about his allegiance and whether he had been contacted by Nazi agents. Despite his service to his country in World War I, it was feared that he had been turned. But Daw answered their questions as truthfully as he could. No one had been in touch from the other side. They were just puzzles. The MI5 agents persisted, though, sure that this had to be more than a coincidence. And yet, no matter how hard they pushed, Daw wouldn't break. Earlier that year, a pamphlet published by the Nazis and distributed in southern England outlawed how German spies had hidden the identity of one of Hitler's secret weapons in the black squares of a crossword puzzle. The British agents were certain the Nazis were up to their old tricks again now. But they didn't have any solid evidence. It took days of intense interrogation, but by the end of it all, they were no closer to an answer than they had been at the start. The good news was that nothing had been spoiled in the publishing of those clues. When June 6th finally came, the Allies successfully stormed the beaches of Normandy and went on to win the war. Hitler didn't think the coastal invasion was anything to worry about, so he didn't have a large number of troops standing by. So, had Leonard Daw actually defected and turned traitor to help the Nazis with crossword clues? Probably not. But while he was being questioned by MI5, Daw told them that he sometimes had his students help him come up with clues for the puzzles. Those same children lived in a part of England with numerous American military bases nearby, and they often overheard soldiers use certain words in conversation. So it was likely that terms such as Omaha and Overlord were heard in passing by the students and then told to their teacher, Mr. Daw, so that he could finish his puzzles. Sadly, that explanation didn't remove the doubt and suspicion that followed him for almost 10 years after his arrest. But Leonard Daw was no traitor. He was simply an innocent bystander who found himself in a puzzling situation. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.